gives a convincing performance. The Federals go for two in a row, but David Greenwood and company say no. Herschel Walker takes a backseat to another general runner. Hey guys, we got a score. And the Boston Breakers are still trying to score a playoff spot. In the USF, Jersey would like to light up the LA Express, who ruined Herschel Walker's professional debut and want to make Week 16 just as miserable. But it's been a long time since that Sunday in March, and Herschel now holds pro football records for rushing yards and touchdowns by a rookie. But tonight, Walker's just a warm-up act, as we present, live from New Jersey, the Dwight Sullivan Show. Subbing for injured Maurice Carthen, Sullivan proves he's got the talent, gaining 84 yards on 14 carries. Sullivan was primarily a blocking back at NC State, but tonight, he's on his own. When Sullivan chalks up his third touchdown of the season, L.A.'s Hugh Campbell seems helpless, but Sullivan hands over the stage. Tom Ramsey is one of the general's special guest stars, and he shows how he's been electrifying crowds in L.A., lighting up the sky with his new partner, Anthony Allen. Allen's been performing for only six weeks, but in that time, he's caught 30 passes, more than anyone else in the league. But this show has some surprises, too, like this one by showstopper Mike Williams. Campbell smells trouble when he's robbed by the league's worst defense. And to L.A.'s dismay, the trend continues with a recovery by Joe Cugliari. Next on the bandwagon is Steve Hammond. And the Generals, who had the worst turnover ratio in the league, also get two interceptions from Sam Sun. In all, they take away six in a 2013 victory that stresses the importance of holding on to the ball. They're still holding on to a playoff hope in Denver. But to catch the teams in front of them, the goal will have to turn away all comers, starting with the Arizona Rangers. Greg Penrose knows it's a long shot at best. But he's got one of the best men for the job in Johnny Durden. Backup Fred Mortensen finds a short-range partner in Bob Nizelik, who pushes Denver's second-quarter lead to 14. Arizona's Alan Risher has suffered through seven straight losses, and tries he might, just can't seem to break loose from fate's stranglehold on the Wranglers. would like to stay at least within shouting distance, but the gold is making a route of it. Big James makes it a 32-6 final, and for the Wranglers, there's just no hiding that last place look. Arizona coach Doug Shively has had too much practice at being a good loser, but the gold is getting the hang of winning in style. Hey, look who just dropped in. It's Bronco quarterback John Elway. On his way to the bank, just stopping by to say hi to his old college buddy, Vincent White. It was at Stanford that the two became acquainted, and on the football field, they distinguished themselves. 
Elway's favorite target was the five foot eight running back who led the nation in receiving last season. And whenever White touched the ball, he was a game-breaking threat. Against number one ranked Washington, the All-American returned the punt 76 yards and left the Huskies grabbing it air. This week, White showed off his other big talent, rushing the football. He gained 159 yards on 20 carries, the best game anyone not named Herschel or Calvin has had. Just like old times, right guys? Some other memories were stirred when Denver hiked the football to linebacker Punchote, who turned another punt formation into a big gainer. The goal's been doing it all year, finding success with plays that are, well, peculiar. again in Philadelphia, where it always seems to rain, when the stars come out. The Oakland Invaders can clinch the Pacific Championship, but not without the ball, which ends up with the Atlantic champion stars. Oakland fumbles seven in all, and the doghouse defense fetches four. Fred Bassana turns over the spotlight to Kelvin Bryant, who's holding on to the ball, but can't seem to do a thing with it. Philly coach Jim Mora will have to find a new weapon, while Bassana reverts to the weapon he's been effective with all season, his lethal right arm. But Sam Mills adds an interception to his two fumble recoveries, and the opportunistic stars bird dog their way to a total of six turnovers, raising their league-leading numbers to plus 33. While the defense is reaching new heights, five foot six David Trout steps forward for the offense. Trout kicks four field goals and lifts Philly to a 12-6 victory. Well, since they couldn't have done it without him, David Trout is a natural for our Toe of the Week Award. Trout, who played college ball for the Pitt Panthers and began his pro career with the Pittsburgh Steelers, has now kicked eight straight field goals and leads the league in scoring. And almost as important to the Stars is what he does after he kicks field goals, which is kick off, usually into the opponent's end zone. During one three-game stretch, for example, nine of his 11 kicks went for touchbacks. His extra points are essentially gimmies, and Trout's made 26 of his last 27. So whether it's rainy or dry, cloudy or bright, it's always Trout season in Philly. Birmingham's chances of finding a route to the playoffs seem pretty dim. But at Legion Field, confident Stallion fans don't expect to be greeting postseason play from the sidelines. The Stallions are meeting Chicago for the second time, and quarterback Bobby Lane makes a good impression, 
by letting his arm do the talking. The Blitz is introduced to Sylvester Moy, who immediately delves deeper. Scott Norwood takes the next step and counts out the points. With Birmingham proceeding boldly, Chicago's Eddie Brown decides it might be better to play it safe. But his backward step turns into a safety. The Stallions are known as runners, but Lane's building a new reputation with help from Daryl Mason. Birmingham holds a first-half lead, but Chicago quarterback Bobby Scott has another reputation to uphold. The Blitz is 5-0 in rematches, and the comeback cause gets a hand from Lenny Willis. Tim Spencer's mounting an assault on the 1,000-yard mark, and his 132-yard day completes that cause. But it's Mac Boatner who knifes his way for the only rushing touchdown of the day. George Allen wants his quarterback to put it up, so it's put up or shut up for the former general. Scott's playing his first game in a Chicago uniform and relishing the chance to throw to Tremaine Johnson. It's a 29-14 blitz victory that knocks Birmingham out of the playoffs. It's also a tribute to Tremaine Johnson's ability to hang on under pressure. Johnson may have learned that knack when he was playing for the legendary Eddie Robinson at Grambling. Under Robinson's tutelage, he became one of the most dangerous receivers in the country, catching 32 touchdown passes. Always a deep threat, he once set an NCAA record for yards per catch, gaining 167 on only three receptions. Grambling also used him as a return man, but more than 2,600 of his 4,000-plus yards came on pass receptions. At Chicago, Johnson concentrates solely on receiving, and the rest of the league concentrates on trying to catch it. He's been the league's leading receiver all year and has scored nine touchdowns. Jermaine Johnson, one of the main reasons Chicago's in first place. Ray Yawk's Federals are destined for last place, while David Greenwood's Panthers are in the thick of a playoff race. Michigan quarterback Bobby Hebert is looking to avoid a struggle, and two and a half minutes into the game, Anthony Carter gives the Panthers the upper paw. Carter's hands, known as the paws that refresh, have hauled in six touchdowns. And with Ken Lacey getting set to maul the feds, Michigan storms to a big early lead. Yawk knows this was expected, but Kim McCulkin was in charge when the feds beat the Panthers. And his giant killing instincts lead him to former giant Billy Taylor as the feds start clawing back. Doug Green's juggling act makes Jim Stanley realize he can't presume anything, and the feds find their way back into the game. Craig James solves the Panthers for 89 rushing yards on only 13 carries. He was injured the first time, but James makes up for lost time by fighting his way to 63 more through the air. In the fourth quarter, Sandro Vitiello stuns the Silver Dome by lifting the feds to a one-point lead. 
Hebert's seen enough. The playoffs are at stake, and the Panthers don't want to have to wonder what might have been if only they've been able to beat Washington. So Lacey gives the Federals what for. With time running out, Stanley calls on Novobiovic, who kicks an 18-yard field goal and gives Michigan a 27-25 victory. The Panthers are now masters of their own fate. If they win their next two games, they'll be Central Division champs, while Yawks Feds are left with another last-minute loss. In a close game, it pays to have David Greenwood on your side. At the University of Wisconsin, Greenwood was an all-Big Ten defensive back and was known for badgering ball carriers. A seven-foot-two high jumper, Greenwood made the leap in the pros after being drafted first by the Panthers. Against Washington, he blocked a Sandro Vitiello field goal attempt, starting a scoring drive. And with 31 seconds to play, when federal quarterback Tim McCulkin fumbled, the man who made the recovery? You guessed it, David Greenwood. When it really counts, look for David Greenwood to get the good. Sink or swim time in the race for the playoffs. And in Boston, temperatures are rising. Get off the blacktop, guys. It's too hot. Get back. Boston's Dick Corey wants to get back at Mike Kelly's Bandits who beat the Breakers in the season opener and are battling them for a playoff spot. Gary Anderson allows Boston some revenge on the first play from scrimmage. Good job. Way to go, DP! With first stringer Johnny Walton out, Boston's being guided by Doug Woodward from Tiny Pace College. Woodward finds his DJ, Dennis Johnson, who knows what to do with a hit. Breaker fans like the sound of Johnson's first touchdown, and Corey just wants to keep him in a groove. Good job, Doug. Just nice and relaxed like you've been there. We didn't have confidence in you. We told you long ago. Good job. Corey's faith is contagious, and even a minor setback works like a set play, thanks to Richard Crump. Crump puts the Breakers in range for a jump by Johnson, whose second touchdown has the coach getting greedy. Hey, that's what we want. Score every time. Score every time down. Well, just in case the offense misses once or twice, the Breaker defense is keeping the Bandits on the level. With Anderson shaken up, it's Sam Platt's turn to shake free. Platt's first touchdown in 10 weeks inspires Tampa coach Steve Spurrier to call for a Bandit ball conversion. Eric Trevelyan's soft shoe means Boston's Corey has to settle for a 17-14 halftime lead. Let's go get it. 30 minutes. Boston's defense is immediately tested by a long Tampa drive. And Kelly figures if it's an eye for an eye, then it's Anderson's turn for revenge. down of this game right here. Kelly wants his best back with the ball, but Anderson is backed up, and Boston takes over. Defense, you have to win at 17-14. Let's do it. All right. I like a 989 seam wide like you did in practice. Right right yeah, yeah. Like that? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's go. In the fourth quarter, Woodward goes with his coach's advice and goes for broke to both co -ops. 
young quarterback is making believers out of everyone. And the man who signed him watches him handle his toughest test yet. Nolan Friend's clutch catch lifts the breakers to a 24-17 victory. And with a 10-6 record, Corey's miracle workers keep their playoff hopes alive. The breaker spirit has always been willing. But ever since Corey took his players to a preseason camp in February, most folks didn't give him credit for being able. The breakers stunned the experts, winning four of their first five. from the very first day of camp. You know, I'm pleased for them because everybody uh, at the beginning of the season picked us to win maybe one or two games or three, and uh, our players never believed that, and our coaching staff never believed it. So it's been a tremendous uh, success story, and I'm proud of the players. They deserve all the credit. But the Breakers came crashing back to reality with four losses in their next five games, including three straight last-minute heartbreakers. In successive losses to Philadelphia and Michigan, Corey's cardiac kids drove to within 10 yards of going ahead, only to have their pleas for timeout fall on deaf ears. The referee signaled timeout downfield, but we never got the time. And we had timeouts left there. You might have scored, but you never know. But instead of breaking their spirit, the losses drew Boston players and coaches closer together. Excellent coach, but he's a tremendous man who teaches me a lot about life as well as Well, again, just forget about that one. Okay. You've got to forget about that. That's okay. Okay. Well, I can say it from the beginning of uh, training camp. You know, just believe in him and, and he'll believe in us. Keep your heads up, guys. We're going to score. We're going to win it. Keep your heads up. We're going to win it. I love the man. I'm sure they're beginning to love him more. Uh, I love him because I've known him and associated with him a long time. Um, the other players there are beginning to probably realize that, you know, when he say things, he's just not saying it to be talking. He's saying it because it's coming from deep within. We do love him. We, we really have a great love for uh, our team, and I hope that they have a great love for our coaches. I try to treat my football team like I do my family. Corey's family is a part of his football team. His son Steve, a former Oregon State star, is now Boston's receivers coach. I've always dreamed that someday we were going to coach together, and I didn't know it would happen this soon. But the players respect him for what he is. He's a good football coach. Emblematic of the breaker season was their game with the Stars four weeks ago. Down by four with time for one more play. Johnny Walton put up a pass and a prayer. like that without that guy 
Right. Had a couple other people who wouldn't quit. You wouldn't quit anytime. I love you for it. Believe me. The following have provided promotional considerations and made a contribution to the United Way. The Blues got you down, Bunky. We'll try defending Michigan's Bobby Hebert. And Michael Jackson, take heed. Herschel's taking your lead as we moonwalk.